Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant, and it is great to have you here with us today. I am super pumped about today's episode. This is... uh, this is one whenever I started the podcast, uh, oh, I don't know, you know, a little over a year ago or so. We're at 100 and, I think 124 episodes. Was this 124? We're going to go with 124. Uh, when I started this, this was a career that I wanted to interview. was the guy that we're talking to today. We are talking to Chris Steininger, who is a Lego master builder. Yes, that is right, my friends. It does exist. It's one of those like fictitious things that we all wonder about. But uh, this guy actually does get paid to play with Legos. It's a real thing. And uh, Chris's story is really, really fascinating. He is a, uh, a master builder. There's only seven of them in the world. He'll explain in a little bit uh, in our conversation what exactly that means, uh, what exactly his job is, and what his role is. He has some great, great stories he shares. If you are a Lego person at all, you are going to geek out on this, on how they build some of the massive structures and models that they do. Uh, and then uh, also just how he got into it and the different the different hats he has to wear as a Lego master master builder. Also, make sure that you stick around for the bonus episode. Chris and I, we, we stick around for a few extra minutes. And uh, he shares uh, a couple of great stories of things that not only that they're working on in the future that you're going to see uh, coming soon, but also a great story of uh, shipping a massive, massive thing. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's shipping a huge uh, model to Australia and getting down there and realizing that many of the pieces uh, were broken and having to fly back to the U.S. to pick up parts and then go back to Australia to fix it. So uh, it is a great, great story that you're not going to want to miss. That, again, that's over in the bonus round. Uh, you can download that for free over at grantbaldoncom slash podcast or within the, uh, uh, within the show notes of this particular of the, the app if you are listening to this on your phone. So let's not waste any more time, my friends. Let's get right into it. Here is my interview with Lego master builder Chris Steininger. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant, and today we are joined by a guy, Chris Steininger, who has one of the most coveted jobs in all of the land. This is whenever I first started the podcast. This was uh, someone that I wanted to interview from the beginning. I knew that these people existed out there. This is not some mythical creature, but there's people that actually get paid to do this. So, Chris, I'm going to just get right into it. Tell us, first of all, what is it that you do? I am a Lego master builder, and believe it or not, I get paid to play with Lego for a living. It sounds like a thing that, like, you know, you, you just hear about, and you're like, it's not even like a real thing, or that's adorable, <laughs> but like, you actually get paid to play with Legos. That is true. So, so as a master builder, I work for the Lego company. I work out of our headquarters in Enfield, Connecticut, and the master builders here, there's seven of us currently. We just had one retire, so there's actually an opening in, okay. in the model shop, but, uh, so there's seven of us, and the seven master builders here in Enfield, Connecticut, actually are in charge of designing, creating, and building all the large-scale sculptures like you would see at a Legoland park or maybe at a Lego store or uh, for really cool, exciting premieres and movies and stuff like that. Nice. So seven of you there, you all work there at the headquarters. Do you have just like one big, massive warehouse where you build all of this, or how is that kind of like, what's that set up like? So yeah, we actually have our more or less our, our workspace, our model shop, which is uh, 
comprised of seven master builders as well as another seven model builders. And so the, the master builders are largely tasked with the creation of the actual models, uh, designing them, and then the actual model production team actually goes ahead and actually builds the models that, we'll, and, uh, that we create. Now, master builders do a ton of different stuff. We travel around doing events like Lego Kids Fest as well. So, so we're kind of all over the place. So our home is not just Enfield. We're really traveling the world in a lot of cases doing some really cool events as well. How much of the time are you traveling versus how much of the time are you actually like at the shop building? Yeah, I'd say probably about half my year is travel. Half my year's travel. That's not the case for all the master builders. Some of them spend more time in Enfield doing more of the design of the actual models, where I do a lot of events. So I do everything from Lego Kids Fest to new store openings, where we'll build a large model right there in, on site with the public and everything. So I do a majority of the traveling now. Gotcha. So you wouldn't be doing like the actual like sets that someone would buy and take home and assemble. You're doing the like the massive like whenever we talk about, no, look, I built a little adorable house. No, like you actually build houses out of Legos more or less. (laughs) Yeah. So 99 percent of the actual Lego sets that you would buy in a store come from the motherland from Denmark. So Lego is it is a Danish company created way back in 1932 by a man named Ole Kirk Christensen. And that's really where 99% of the actual Lego sets come from. So they have similar type of people over there that design the sets. So master builders and set designers are pretty similar in their skill set as far as what they can do. Our focus just is more on the, on the large scale models, more or less. Okay, cool. I want to get into exactly how you got into it and what the path is for something unique like this, but I'm still I'm very, very fascinated by this. I grew up playing with Legos. You and I, we crossed paths when you were in town uh, in Nashville for the, uh, the Lego Kids Fest. I've got three little girls who are into Legos, and it's just one of those things that most, I think most people listening, like they played with Legos, that was part of their childhood, and it's just such a, a unique toy that just continues on for generations. So when you're building some of these like massive structures, can you give us like some type of example of like what's a recent project? that you've done or one of your bigger ones that you've done that and give us kind of a, a size of what that might be like yeah so we do some really massive models we've actually been involved with a project here a few years back where we built the world's largest lego model uh, it was actually built by our team over in the czech republic it was a life-size x-wing fighter so that was the world's largest lego model and still is so it's actually 45 feet from wingtip to wingtip <laughs> and another, another uh, like almost 46 feet from front to back. And he could actually sit in the cockpit. So that was an absolutely amazing model. So I was involved with that with the unveiling of it in Times Square and all that. And that was a really, really fun project. But more recently, my father and I, who is actually one of the other master builders, believe it or not, that we are the only father and son team, we actually flew down to Melbourne, Australia where we built a 16-foot-long Millennium Falcon. So that was a hands-on building event where the kids actually helped build it. So they they took and built us what we call four times bricks, which uh, is four times the size of a standard 2x4 brick. So it's basically eight studs by 16 studs long. And we used those bricks that the kids built to build that massive Millennium Falcon. So that took us two days to build. And it was a pretty pretty awesome event. Let's take like this X-Wing fighter for a second here. So it's 45 by 46, give or take or so. How many pieces go into building something like that? <laughs> so I believe the, the X-Wing was somewhere around 5.3 million pieces. <laughs> 
It was massive. It weighed in around 46,000 pounds and took around 17,000 hours to build. Sheesh. So it was a absolutely massive undertaking. So is the finished product is that all glued together or like how does that travel around? Because I even at like going to Lego Fest or I've been to several of the the Lego shops around the country. And you see the huge structures and and like how are are those glued together? Is that permanent or how are those kind of finalized? Yeah. So all the models actually I hate to say it we have to glue them together. We craggle them. So we actually use our uh, glue that we make. It's not actually a glue, it's a solvent, and it melts the Lego brick and creates a welded bond. So in the end, all those little pieces really become one, one model. Now, one of the cool things about what we do is we're not allowed to make special pieces or anything like that. So everything that we do is supposed to inspire kids to go out, and adults, to go out and build their own crazy, cool models. So everything that we use is are pieces that they can get at, at home or go to a Lego store and purchase. So it's nothing, we don't 3D print pieces or anything like that. We don't have specialty pieces made just for us. So it's a pretty cool process, though. You have no special advantage other than you've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, one of the things I'm curious about is whether it's the that X-Wing uh, fighter or the Millennium Falcon or anything that you're building that's a massive structure. Most of the time when kids are playing with Legos, it's like we sit down and we've got a bunch of pieces and we just kind of like build something and hopefully it turns into something our imaginations can come up with. But for you, I would assume there's there's got to be like a massive amount of planning in the beginning so that you don't get to at the end and be like, ah, oh, crap, we are way off scale or we put the the wrong piece in the wrong place. So how much planning goes into it versus how much building actually takes place? Yeah, there is uh, a lot of planning that goes into the actual creation of the models. Right from the start, we uh, normally have a kickoff meeting with uh, whoever the customer is, normally someone within Lego. So there's different brand managers for each particular line within Lego. So you have City, you have superheroes, you have Star Wars. So Let's say the Star Wars brand manager came to us. He says, I want to build a really cool model. What do you guys have any ideas of something really massive we can build? And we'll say, oh, yeah, let's, let's do a big X-Wing. So once we go from that initial brainstorming meeting, we'll go from there and actually create some concepts, some, some just sketches of what it could be. And then from the sketch concept, we'll eventually work into a more detailed version that might be a 3D Maya render. So Maya is the software that we use to create a 3D mesh of the model. And from there, we'll actually then in turn create an actual brick version of it. So we can import that 3D mesh from Maya into our program called Lego Brick Builder, which will turn that 3D mesh entirely into Lego bricks. And that's where we'll actually build our model from, is from the Brick Builder program. Gotcha. And so once it gets you that, is that basically like the equivalent of, of like a, a Lego set? Like we would get the instruction <laughs> and it's just page one, page two, page three. And so is it just kind of explain then what you, like how many pieces you need or what actual pieces you need or, or what, how much instruction and detail does it give you? Our program, Brick Builder, doesn't give us instructions per se. So what it does actually is it gives us a more or less a CAT scan layer by layer view. So we can more or less see a top down view of the model and it shows us the outer ring. So what's going to be visible. And it doesn't show us what piece to put where or how to put it on. That's up to the master builders and the model builders to determine which pieces to use. So it really is a simple way to build once you learn how to use the program. So in your shop itself, is it just, I just envision like 
hundreds of thousands or millions of pieces of every different color and every different type of piece available. And so you're able to just pick from whatever and just try to arrive at that end product. Is that basically yeah, the, the nutshell of it? It's kind of cool you asked that because right now I'm actually, uh, to find a, quite enough space here in our shop, <laughs> I went out to our brick storage area. So right now I'm literally surrounded by probably millions of Lego bricks at this very moment. So we have our bulk storage area is in more or less a warehouse where we have every brick you can imagine that are basic bricks sorted out so we can actually just go into it and pull out the bricks we need with a big scoop and bring them back to our desk. Now, in our actual shop, each master builder and model builder have uh, trays at their desk. Now, the trays are sorted out to the certain size bricks and separated by color as well. So we'll have a tray, let's say that's black. And in that black tray, you're going to have two by fours, two by twos, two by threes, all sorted out in in a way that's easy for me to just reach to one spot of the tray. I know I'm going to reach to this spot of the tray and it's going to be a two by two brick. And I know... The next one over is going to be a two by three. So it's kind of a, a really easy way for us to build our models because we know where all the pieces are at, uh, as we build. Crazy. How long have you been working with Lego now? So I've been at Lego for over seven years now and about six of them as a massive model builder. All right, cool. All right, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go. Let's get into what this is all about. How'd you get into that? So you mentioned that your dad was doing this. Your dad's also a master builder. I assume is is that kind of what you got? Uh, how you got into it? Or give us kind of the backstory. What was life yeah. like growing up? Actually, I take credit for getting my father into Lego. All right. So he he didn't grow up with Lego. Lego didn't come over here to the states until around 1973. So it wasn't really around when when he was growing up as a young kid. So he actually got into Lego because I was playing with it. So I was super big into Lego and uh, I would be playing with it when he got home from work and he would, would come home and play with me and realized he was having a really good time doing it. He was enjoying, he was getting to be creative, which uh, is his background. He has an art background, so he was able to be creative. And he realized that there's actually people out there designing these cool sets and all these big models that he sees around. So uh, through a mutual friend of his who worked in the IT department, he was able to get an interview in a model shop where he got the job, rose through the ranks, and became a master model builder. Now, step forward a few years to when I'm in high school, he was able to, obviously, a house when you have a, a father who works at Lego and is a master builder, he was able to get me into the model shop more or less as an intern where I actually started building a skill set required to be a master builder. So I did lots of repetitive work at Lego. So lots of repetitive building. I I remember one of my first jobs I was involved with was the making of a large Christmas tree that was going to go down to New York City and be on display at KB Toy Stores, which are no longer around. So it was actually going to be on display there in their front window, right? And I believe it was their Times Square store. So I was building a whole bunch of branches for this tree over and over again. A lot of them were the same. So I actually learned a lot with that project just on, you know, how, first of all, we glue our model. So how to properly glue a model without creating a mess. Yeah. And then, then also how to interlock your model. So a lot of times one of the biggest skills uh, master builders use is interlocking. It's kind of like a mason when he builds a wall. You don't see all the bricks stacked up. They're all overlapped and interlocked together. And and that's what makes a wall strong. And the same is true for Lego models. You really need to interlock and overlap your seams to make a really strong model. 
And and some of the times it can be a little tricky, especially when you're talking about models that are super complex, a lot of detail. Getting that interlocking done can be difficult. So a lot of that was uh, starting being learned as I was in high school. And then after high school, I went off, did my own thing for about five years. I have a background in carpentry, woodworking, and furniture making. I build all sorts of uh, cool furniture as well as I built a boat recently. Nice. Like a real one or out of Legos? Like, no, no, like a real one. Like a rowboat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Lego actually called me back about five years of doing that type of stuff. And I've been there ever since. So that's uh, it's really how I got back to Lego. Okay, so talk me through that again. So you're working there in, in high school, and then you're you're going and doing carpentry stuff. Are you still have your hand in Lego at all, or is it just completely separate thing doing the carpentry world? No, I've always I never you know, there's certain people that you know they they call it the dark ages when when kids 13 14 years old they start getting away from Lego for a little while, then they come <laughs> back to Lego. Yep. I never got away from Lego. I've always been playing with it. Some of my favorite stuff to build is actually Technic. Uh-huh. You know, that's really what I like the best. All the gears and axles and all that stuff is just really fun. So that's really where I spent, you know, a lot of my hobby time with Lego during the times that I wasn't working at Lego was definitely building Technic sets. You know, on the outside looking in, Lego seems, you know, being a master builder seems like the type of gig that's like, man, that's this is the dream job. And I'm sure people say that a lot. But it sounds like there's also you spend massive amounts of hours just putting pieces together and it, it sounds I guess when you really boil it down to it it's a toy and it's fun but at the same time it's very non-glamorous very non-sexy just working in a <laughs> shop assembling pieces am I right on that it can be it can be but really let's face it it is still a toy it's right. it, it may that the process of putting them all together might not be the most glamorous thing in the world but in the end we all have the great ability to impact a lot of kids and adults' lives in fact, in what they see when that model is complete. So it's definitely the payoff in the end of doing maybe more or less the unglamorous part, the repetitive stuff of building that model is seeing the reaction of all the kids as they get around something that you built and react to something that you built. So it instantly puts a smile on your face and then takes uh, all that fingertip pain that you might have from pushing all those bricks down away pretty quickly. Yeah, interesting. You know, and I would assume too that people don't realize like how many hours you've put into becoming a master builder. You said that there's seven there. Is there just seven across the world or is there a bunch all over the place? How many, like how many master builders are there around the world? There are seven of us that work for the Lego company. Okay. So there's other people, like I said earlier, that work for the Lego company on the design side of stuff as far as the set design. So yeah. set designers and master builders are very similar in skill set. We're all kind of artists. We all have three-dimensional skills, a lot of computer skills because we design virtually as well. But they just don't use that title of master builder over there. They use set designers as their titles. There's really only seven of us that have that title. So, I mean, to be at that level within Lego, and, and there's only a handful of you around the world, it's not something where you just happen to be lucky in that you had a dad who was working there, but you personally are spending hours and hours and hours and just working on this behind the scenes, just perfecting the, the skill and the craft. I think that's just important for any type of career where sometimes people forget like, oh, you get to play baseball or you get to play a sport or you get to play with toys and it seems so glamorous, but people don't realize like you spend thousands and thousands of hours of your life perfecting the skill 
that seems like it's just a toy, but there's so much like nuance behind it that you make it look easy. Absolutely. There is. a. Uh, you're right. You're 100% correct. There's a lot that really goes into becoming a master builder. So there's a lot of different skill sets when you look at the types of different things that we do. So not only do we design the models, we can build the models, we can design the crates that the models get shipped around in because they need to be shipped safely so that they show up in one piece. So being a master builder, we know generally the types of crating that needs to be done to these models so they don't break during shipping so we'll, we'll even design the crates we'll design the display material that they get displayed on even the the types of cases that they're inside of so there's as a mass builder we kind of have our hands within the project from start to finish including doing a lot of events too so so that's a big portion of what we do is public speaking events we'll go out and talk to kids about you know what we do as a job and and doing things like kids fest so there's a lot of different types of skills that as a master builder you kind of got to be a master of as well yeah i think that's a great point you brought up there that that again outside looking in it's like oh they just you know they get paid to play with toys that sounds cool but like at the end of the day you're you know you're an engineer and you're an architect and you're a carpenter and you're a builder and you're an artist and you're a spokesperson and a speaker and you have to wear a lot of different hats at the end of the day to be able to just still do this one job that you really enjoy Absolutely. That's Interesting. Totally true. You are in high school kind of working on this stuff and playing and building Christmas tree branch after Christmas tree branch. You're doing the carpentry. Are you doing the carpentry on the side and you're still working with Lego again? How did that kind of play out? I started doing the carpentry kind of on the side with my uncle who is a, uh, a carpenter out in Boston area. I live in Western Massachusetts. And uh, so I went out there and worked with him for about five years doing that stuff. And as well as doing my whole uh, little bit of woodwork and stuff on the side as well. Now, during that time frame, Lego was calling me back and forth. So I would spend some days out in Boston towards the end of that five years and then come back to Enfield and work a few days here, back out to Boston, working with my uncle. So it was kind of hopping around until finally they realized that they should just hire me out full time. And then eventually I did make the full transition back to Enfield, the Western Mass area where I live now and, and continue to work there today. So did they just hire you as right out the gate as a, as a master builder? No, I kind of came in as a freelancer. So during that time frame, I came in as a freelancer first. So I was doing more of the model building. So I was hired on as first as a model builder and then rose through the ranks to become a master builder. But I rose through pretty quickly just because of the fact that I already had the background. I already had the experience. And and in what I was hired in for, doing a lot of the, my original process or my original job when I got hired into Lego was building crates when I started working back there. So I, w- I didn't really start working right back with the Lego brick right away because they knew I had the carpentry skills. So they had me building some crates. And, and it quickly transitioned back to Lego building or building the models just because they knew, well, we have them here. He finished that crate, so let's have him go over here and build uh, Let's have him build Buzz Lightyear now because I know he can build, so go ahead, go build Buzz Lightyear. So quickly changed from building crates back to uh, building with actual Lego brick. Interesting. You've got your seven master builders there, but are there other like non-affiliated Lego builders in the world that, because uh, it seems like I've seen like some of these massive structures that, that people have built. And uh, is it possible to do this as like a, a freelance thing and sell it as, as like art? Is, is that a thing? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So there's uh, people out there called Lego certified professionals. And these people 
are allowed to, through relationships with the Lego company, use Lego bricks and market themselves as Lego certified professionals where they can actually build with Lego bricks and sell these models to whether or not it might be a school looking for their school mascot made out of Lego or or if it's some big corporation that's looking to have their logo made out of Lego. So these people can do some really cool stuff. There's there's people like Nathan Sawaya, who's a, a pretty well-known one out there who does lots of shows as well as uh, where he creates his own models and shows them in art galleries as well. So gotcha. there's definitely a whole group of people that do that. And they could be considered massive builders in their own right. They just don't work for the Lego company. Gotcha. How many like Lego would you say are they certified professionals? Is that what you said? Yep, Lego certified. How many of those exist in the world? I'm not sure. The last number I knew was something like 17 globally, but I'm not okay. 100% sure on So it's that still number. a pretty small number. It is still a pretty small number, yep. What are the pros and cons or, or I guess why did you decide to work with Lego directly because it sounds like you could do your own thing and still be you know, loosely affiliated with, with Lego, uh, but you could do, you know, you could be the entrepreneur still doing Legos, still building what you want. And I don't know, maybe having a little more leeway or latitude over what you do. So why wouldn't you go the more the freelance route like that? You know what it is? I think a lot of it for me was what Lego represented. Lego is a family owned business owned by one man over in Denmark, Kelly Christensen. And I grew up around it. So my father I was coming to the Lego company picnics and all that stuff, and it just seemed like such a great place to work. And it is. It's the type of environment where it just fosters creativity. You're surrounded by a whole bunch of really creative people. Not only do we have the creative people that that I work with in a model shop that create all these cool models, but we have a ton of people that create all the different types of Lego packaging and stuff like, like you would see, all the lego video content and stuff you would see on our our facebook page and youtube page and all that are all created right here in enfield so you're just surrounded by a whole bunch of really creative people and it just rubs off on you it really does it it, it just is a way for everyone to feed off each other and, and it really you know creates an awesome environment a great it, work environment it's like a healthy cult that you want to be a part of <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, for sure. uh, okay so let me ask you this for someone who may be listening to this is like okay i'm i've been playing with legos for a little while and i'm i don't know i think i'm decent but i don't really, like how would you go about either becoming the going the certified professional route or becoming a official lego master builder how would you kind of rise up through the ranks to really work with lego on a, on a high-end level yeah, so as uh, to become a master builder, we actually look for people with art backgrounds. Three-dimensional art is uh, is more or less what we need, and even more specific, 3D art background in Maya or 3D modeling. So we actually look for people that might have a background similar to someone who would get a job at maybe Pixar or Disney creating 3D animated movies. Gotcha. Those same types of skills are utilized here in our model shop. Now, to become a certified professional, I don't know the exact requirements, but I do know that they go through a ton of interview process with Denmark. So they're all more or less chosen over in Denmark. You know, they have to go over there multiple times and, and meet with a lot of different people. And it's it's a long, drawn-out process because Lego, even though they're really particular about who they allow to be a certified professional as well because um, – they're a little bit more free to do what they want to do, but they want to make sure that who they're picking is not going to do something that's totally against the Lego. Right. Uh, you know, as far as our, 
you know, the way the Lego wants to be represented. Right, right. Makes sense. And I mean, it, just by the fact that there's only 17 in the world, you got to jump through a lot of hoops. There's, there's pretty strict requirements in order to, to become one, it basically sounds like. Absolutely. Yep. Interesting. What advice would you give to someone who's going, okay, I want to do something like this. I want to do something with Lego, or maybe it's not necessarily just Lego. Maybe it's just, I want to do something with a Pixar or with a Disney or with something just on a big creative space, like in a big company. And you see these big Legos and the big, you know, Disney and Pixar and like these major companies. And it's just, sometimes it feels very, very daunting. So what advice would you give someone trying to get into some type of creative field, like what you're doing? If you want to have a creative job, I would suggest being good at a few different things, not just be so siloed into one particular skill set, whether it just be, you know, Maya or 3D modeling. You got to be good at a bunch of different things, because if you have a lot of different skill sets, you're going to be a lot more valuable because you'll be able you might not be the best at every single one of those skill sets, but you're going to have a ton of different skills that might be useful for that future employer of yours or yourself if you want to be self-employed. You know, being able to, to do a bunch of different things along the process of, of one of these projects like a, a large-scale model uh, just makes yourself that much more valuable. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, hey, I got a couple other questions for you before we uh, we wrap up. We're going to save these for the bonus round. One of the things I'm wondering about is give us one or two of your better stories of maybe like maybe meeting a celebrity or just some type of cool, surreal experience where you're just like, I cannot believe I get paid to do this. Maybe it's a, a cool interaction you have with a family or with a kid. So we're going to save that for the bonus round. Also, I'm wondering if you can uh, sneak peek any any cool projects you guys have uh, you're working on behind the scenes, what you have coming out uh, maybe in the near future. So maybe we could, we'll save that for the uh, the bonus round. But in the meantime, if people are interested in more learning about you or seeing some pictures, we'll include some of these in the show notes of this episode. But uh, where else can we go to, to find out what you're up to? Unfortunately, it is not currently a website or anything like that set up for massive builders. We kind of are all over the place and unfortunately would take a full-time job for someone to really track what we're doing. So, uh, so we don't have anyone keeping track of us at the moment. No, are, you, are you on Twitter anywhere? Uh, no, I'm not either. Oh, you're an elusive bunch. I, yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, good stuff. Well, hey, we like I said, we'll get a couple other questions for the bonus round. We'll encourage people to stop by, download that, check that out. We will plan on just catching you over there. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Lego Master Builder Chris Steininger. If you enjoyed that, again, make sure that you download the bonus material. It's totally free, just a few extra minutes where Chris and I, we talk. Uh, he shares a great story about shipping a, uh, a huge structure, a model down to Australia, getting down there only to realize that it uh, had some significant damage to it and what they had to do to get it repaired. Uh, it's just a, a great, great story. So make sure you download that. You can find that over at grantbaldoncom slash podcast. So make sure you stop by, you check that out. Also, if you're listening to this on your phone or some type of mobile app, uh, right there in the show notes of this episode, there's a link where you can download the uh, the the uh, bonus material as well. If you would like, if that's easier for you, whatever's easier for you, that's what we're all about here. All right, my friends, thanks for hanging out with us. Do appreciate you. Uh, as always, feel free to uh, to email us anytime, grant to Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, InstaFace, StalkerFace, whatever. Uh, you can find us there. So we'll catch you next time, my friends. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.